Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. You have your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. We are kicking off a brand new series called Overwhelmed. Somebody say overwhelmed. <laughs> Does this describe anybody today? Yes, indeed. Got a lot going on. Um, I, I love the, the topics. For the next four or five weeks, you do not want to miss a single installment. I think of all the series that we've done as a church, this perhaps will be one of the most helpful one of the most practical. There'll be a lot of equipping. I'm thankful that we serve a God who says it just like it is and speaks right to where we live. Can I have a good amen? Overwhelmed, learning to live above the noise. Is it just me or does it seem to be that our world is getting busier and noisier? Oh man, there's so much happening, so much coming at us. How many of you have a lot going on? Yeah, how many of you are thankful just to be in the house today? Being in church was an accomplishment this morning. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, you made it. <laughs> you know, I got to thinking about some of the things we have going on. As adults, you know, we, we, we worry about a lot of stuff. We worry about our jobs. We worry about our children. We worry about schedules. How many of you have a few bills that you worry about? Wouldn't life be better if you didn't have bills? Come on, talk to me. Somebody get set free today. Yeah, Lord. I talked to somebody a while back and said, look, when I go to my mailbox, I'm just speaking $100 bills in Jesus' name. <laughs> a lot happening. Jobs, kids, schedules, bills, laundry. Come on, laundry. Cleaning house. Meal plans. Exercise. Yeah, I felt somebody groan right there. <laughs> How many of you have a gym membership? Yeah, and you're reminded of that once a month that you have a gym membership. Not that you go to the gym, but you get the bill in the mail. Yeah, uh, exercise. Uh, the check engine light on our vehicles. Yeah, those things stay on for months. And we think if we ignore it, it'll just go away. Yeah, lots happening as adults. Even as students, if you're a student, what do you worry about? Tests. Homework, projects. Teachers, can I just tell you this? When you give our children projects, <laughs> I know you think they're doing the project, but it's really creating work for us, right, moms and dads? We're going to Walmart at the midnight hour trying to get all the supplies. Yes, Lord. So students worry about tests, homework, projects, friendships, um, college. What college am I going to? What am I going to study? Who am I going to marry? What am I going to do with my life? There's so much going on and so much to worry about. And sometimes, whether you're young or old, you worry about what other people think. We worry about what others think. Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, in your 20s and 30s, you worry about what everyone thinks. In your 40s and 50s, you don't care what anyone thinks. And in your 60s and 70s, you realize ain't nobody been thinking of you at all. Right? 
We worry about money. No. Yeah, having it, making it, spending it, saving it, running out of it. I talked to a guy the other day. He said, Pastor, I'm so broke that I don't even get excited when I find money anymore because I'm sure I owe it to somebody. (laughs) We worry about getting old. We worry about empty nests, doctor's visits, medicines, prescriptions getting filled, new pains every day, losing hair, gaining weight, retirement. How many feel like you're losing brain cells by the second? Yeah, Rachel and I have a deal. As we get older, I told her this. I said, baby, look, when we get older, here's where we'll figure this out right here and now. I'll remember who we are, and you remember where we're going. Sounds like a good. Have you ever walked into a room and when you get in the room, you're thinking, what in the world did I come here for? For some of you, I just characterized the season of your life right there. Yeah, you, what am I going to do when I'm here? Yeah, we, we're losing brain cells by the second. There's a lot of stuff that we worry about, even pastors. I'm going to tell you this your pastor has pockets of insecurity. Every Sunday, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, and this may disappoint some of you. And if if I'm disappointing you by telling you this, I'm sorry. But even your pastor worries from time to time. I come here on Sunday, I drive up here on the parking lot, and I worry, Lord, is anybody coming to church today? I do. In fact, I, I turn off of Highland Road into the parking lot, and I see these cars passing by, and I'm thinking, where are you going? What? What could you possibly be doing that's more important than what's happening right here at church? Come on, nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. Now get in the flesh a little bit. Man, get in God's house. You need to be up in here. And then the Lord reminds me, wait a second, they're coming to the 5 o'clock service later today. I worry about, is the message going to connect? Is it going to inspire? Is it going to challenge the church? Am I going to get some good amens? Am I going to get some mean emails? We worry. How many of you either currently or recently have had your bouts with worry, stress, and anxiety? Let me see your hand. Okay. Turn your neighbor and say, this series is for you. See, God knew exactly what you needed. Now, sometimes worry, stress, and anxiety, it has a way of distorting the voice of God. I'm telling you, if there's ever a time in history, if there's ever a time in the culture that we live that we need to hear God's voice clearly, it's today. Can I have a good amen? And see, the the devil will love to give you, I'm telling you this, I didn't say this in the first service, but I feel this, God just dropped this in my spirit. What the devil can't stop, he will accelerate. And some of you are so busy right now doing a whole lot of stuff, and you're struggling to hear God above the noise. You you, you feel overwhelmed and underqualified, and anxiety is resting on you like a blanket, and that anxiety is distorting the voice of God. It's hard to hear clearly from God when your life is smothered and suffocated in stress. Can I have a good amen? And I thought maybe a good way to kind of illustrate that, these different microphones here, and I'll kind of show you what they represent. This first one represents this clean, clear voice from God. When we come to church, we want to hear God's voice specifically and clearly. Well, what's so funny? Yeah. Oh, wow, that's scary. Um, yeah, you, you, you want to be able to hear from God because you know that, that if you don't hear from him, then you're struggling to figure out life on your own. 
And God's given us his word. He's written it down to make it clear. And, you know, life works better when you listen to the right voice because you make the right choice. Can I have a good amen? But then the enemy would love to throw a lot of things at you to get life blurry. You're running it in a hurry, and the voice of God becomes distorted. So it's not always clear like in this microphone. What we have here is, is, an, is another. This is a little patch that we're putting on this to show how the enemy can distort the voice of God. This is the, do you want fries with that? Welcome to, welcome to Chick-fil-A. My name is Mike. I'll be happy to serve you today. Have you ever pulled up through a drive-thru and you're trying to listen to what they're saying and it's just not clear and you're, you're just taking a chance and you hope that you get it right? Okay, you'd like a 12-piece nuggets. 12-piece nuggets with a large fries and a sweet tea. Any sauce with that? Polynesian? My pleasure. And so the enemy can distort the voice of God, and you kind of hear it, and you kind of don't. You're not so sure what to do with it. That's the, do you want fries with that? Now, here's one. This is the Darth Vader voice. Alexa. Michaela. Trevor. This is your father. Hey, wouldn't you, love, wouldn't you love to hear an evangelist with a voice like this? If you were to die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? <laughs> yes, sweet Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> so we got the Chick-fil-A voice, the Darth Vader voice. This is the cyborg, cyborg voice. Hello, 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 hello. I am a superhero, not to be confused with Robotop or Terminator. Can you hear me now? Yeah, a little confusing there. But last and not least, perhaps my favorite, is the chipmunk voice. Christmas, Christmas time is here. Time for <laughs> hey, it, it, it can be a little confusing. Can I have a good amen? See, it's important, it's important, it's important that whatever season of life we're in, that we hear the voice of God clearly. Because the plan of the enemy is to create confusion in your life. Are you with me? And if he can get you busy, if he can get you stressed out, even though God's trying to talk to you, it's hard for you to hear what he's trying to say. Well, how do you move from fear to faith? How do you move from stress and worry to trust? I think the Bible says it in Philippians chapter 4. I want you to read these two verses with me. And I think the scripture is clear. And, and today, for some of you, the very first time, you're going to feel something lifted off of you, and you're going to hear the voice of God in the season that you're in. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Mm -mm 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 -mm. We can just stop right there. Don't worry about a thing. Every little thing. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. It means no worries for the rest of your days. Are problem free. Philosophy. Yeah, see, the culture creates songs and there's all kinds of messages, but the Bible says it best, okay? Don't worry about anything. Instead, there's an alternative to worry. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Come on now. Tell him what you need. He knows what you need of even before you ask. But the scripture says, tell him what you need and thank him for all that he's done. What's the result? Verse 7. Then you will experience what? There it is. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Can I have a good amen? Oh, this is gold. I pray you hear the word of the Lord today with crystal clarity. If you've got anxiety, stress, worry, whatever that thing is is trying to jump on you, God's telling us some very specific things today. And if you're taking notes, I don't want to just break this down piece by piece. There are four simple thoughts in these two verses. Number one, don't worry about anything. Don't worry. You say, well, wait a second. You mean like I've got a choice in this? I mean, how many has ever been in a situation or a season where you felt totally helpless? Well, there's just, I've got no other choice. I have no other alternative. Pastor, if you knew what I'm going through, if you knew my financial situation, if you knew what was happening in my marriage, if you knew what was happening on my job with one of my kids, it just makes sense to worry. Now, Paul says, he's telling the church in Philippi, don't worry. So he's assuming that you and I have the capacity to choose. We're not helpless. Don't worry. I want you to know this. If God tells us to do something, he's going to give us everything we need to do it. If God tells us not to do something, he's going to give us the grace, the strength, and the resource that we need to stay away from it. Here's what you need to know about worry. And I want to get practical here. I want to drill down on worry. Because I think there's a root to worry. Worry is rooted in fear. I want you to watch this. Worry is rooted in fear, and it exaggerates what might happen. Can I say that again? Worry is rooted in fear, and it exaggerates what might happen to you. Now, in worry, we live through hypotheticals. Well, what about this? Well, this might happen. Well, I can't let this happen. God forbid this happen. And so we're constantly playing the what-if game jumping through hoops of what might be. Can I tell you this? 99% of the things that you worry about (laughs) never even happen. But now I know some of you are a little unsettled. For those of you that are worry warts, you're like, okay, well, wait a second, Pastor. What about that 1%? Come on, did anybody think that? What about that 1%? And the devil will try to leverage 1% to offset the 99 Worry is rooted in fear, and it exaggerates what might happen to us. And you can't live in hypotheticals. you got to live in what you see and then step out and trust in faith in who God is. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, I love this. He says, can worry add a single thing to your life? Can worry add a single thing to your life? Guess what? Worry doesn't add. You know what it does? It subtracts. Worry subtracts the best moments from your life. 
In fact, I say it this way. If you're short and you worry about it, you're not getting any taller. Right? Worry, it, it, it doesn't add, it takes away. That, that's the irrationale of worry. We think in worrying we can gain something. Really, we don't. We lose the power of the day. In fact, Corey Tinboom said it this way. She said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worry doesn't take sorrow out of tomorrow. It saps the strength and the power of the now moment. Paul said, don't worry about anything. Somebody say anything. anything. Now, wait, wait, wait a second. Let me, let, me say, let me rewind that and say that again. Don't worry about anything. Somebody say anything. Do you mean anything? I mean, like, for real, Mike, like anything? Are you telling me that I don't have to worry about anything? Of course, I know the little things don't sweat the small stuff, but what about the big things? I mean, surely God needs my help with the big things. <laughs> uh, don't you know God doesn't need our help with a single thing? He says, don't worry about anything. You say, but what about the big things? Okay, whatever's big to you, whatever that thing is that you're stressing out about now, maybe it's a, a doctor's report or diagnosis in your health, or maybe it is a financial situation or a relationship that's kind of getting crazy or a big decision you're having to make in your future. Whatever that is, take that and then stack it up against God. Now, it may be big to you, but how many of you know it's not bigger than God? So in God's economy, it's all small. Don't worry about a single thing. There's lots of stuff that we could worry about, and the devil would love to bait you with worry. But God clearly commands us, don't worry about a thing. In other words, if you're worrying about something, then it's because you're choosing to worry about it. But you don't have to. Some of you are carrying things right now. You've been holding on to things, and God's saying, you don't have to carry that. You don't have to worry about that. You know, I remember several years ago going through a, a season just personally and even in church life. I, man, I was so stressed. I had a lot of stress on me, trying to figure things out and making decisions, you know, for the church and, you know, taking big steps, moving things forward. Man, it was just on me. How, how many you know worry has a way of just jumping on you? Man, it kind of came out of nowhere. And man, the days and several weeks went by. And man, I just, I just felt this heaviness all over me. And so I remember leaving the office and I was headed home, driving down Airline Highway, living in Prairieville at the time. So man, we're just rolling, rolling into Peeville on the way home. And I look up and there's Burger King. I was like, Something about Burger King was beckoning me. It was calling me in. And my steering wheel, it's just like I just let go of the steering wheel and it turned in. And I'm in the drive-thru now and I'm at Burger King and I'm trying to drown my sorrows over a double Whopper with cheese. Can I have a good amen? Oh, man. And look, so I got me a double Whopper, extra cheese. I ate that thing before I got in the house. It was gone. I walk up in the house. I start feeling good, man. Rachel's like, baby. You must have had breakthrough. Have you met with the king? <laughs> Girl, you don't even know. Oh, yes, I have. I got me a double portion with the king. His name is Burger King. Sometimes worry will force us to make decisions and do things. We seek peace and alternatives, and yet God says, wait a second. You don't have to worry. You have a choice in the matter. 
The Bible says in Psalm 119, verse 143, as pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. If you feel pressure and stress coming down on you, there is an alternative. You can go to the Word of God, the instruction of God, and you can find help. Somebody say, don't worry. He says, don't worry about anything, but number two, pray about everything. Come on now. You don't have to worry. Why? Because you can pray. You don't have to worry about anything when you're praying about everything. You see, when we pray, now all of a sudden, there's a, there's, there's a, there's a choice that we're making. I can either choose to worry about this and struggle and fret over it, or I can pray and give it to God. You see, when you pray, you're inviting God into your situation. Prayer is taking what we hold on to, what we worry about, and releasing it to the Lord. I want you to know this. If you're praying, you don't have to worry. But if you're worrying, you might not be praying. You see, the things we don't pray about are the things we worry about. But when we seek God, what we're saying is, Lord, I'm putting this in your hands. It may be bigger than me, but God, it's not bigger than you. Can I tell you something about the nature of worry? At its very center, we said it's rooted in fear, and it exaggerates what might happen. But I want you to know this. That worry will lie to you. Okay? Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. You see, in our mind, we create scenarios that we think are true to us, but they may not be true in real life. And what's rooted at the very center of this lie is the illusion of control. Worry, in some sense, gives us the idea that by worrying, we can control a situation. We can manipulate it in some way. Well, I just feel so helpless. There's nothing I can do but worry. And so worry is our way of maintaining some sort of control. Come on, are you into this today? Could you inform your face that you're into this, please? Okay, watch this. Worry implies it gives us the ability in some way to maintain control. Have you ever been to a bowling alley? How many like to bowl? How many like to go to the bowling alley and watch other people bowl? That's the best, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I'm terrible at bowling, even with the bumper bowls, you know, that the keep you from the gutter. It's, it's bad. It is bad. I like to go to the bowling alley and eat some nachos and just watch other people bowl. And it's amazing to see. I mean, and I'm bad. I'm worse than bad. But it's funny to see what people do when they bowl. I mean, you, you know how this works. I mean, there's certain techniques that, 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 that take place in rolling a bowling ball down that alley. It's, there's some footwork involved. There's a little backswing. There's stepping up to the line, and then there's the release. You saw what I did right there? You saw that? Yeah, you, you didn't appreciate that. Check that out. There's certain mechanics. I know I look professional, don't I? There's footwork. There's that backswing. You approach the line, the release. Hey. You know those shoes are fine right there. You know they are working in my bowling shoes today. But it's funny to watch people, when they roll that ball down the lane, and they, they, they do some weird things, don't they? You see them kind of wave at it, you know. They threaten it. They talk to the ball. 
Yeah, they, they, if they contort their body, lean a certain way, almost like they have some control, some magical string that is attached to that ball that can make it go exactly where they want it to go. Guess what? It ain't happening. What's the deal? Now, there are certain mechanics that are up to me. Footwork, there's that back, that back swing, that approaching the line, and then there's the release. Guess what? When you let it go, it's no longer in your control. When you let it go, watch this, you got to let it go. And some of you have been trying to hold on to some things, and God's saying, let that thing go. You're worrying about it as if you have control over it. Do you know one of the most frustrating things in life is trying to control something or control someone that you have no control over? That stuff at your work, the things that they're saying, what your supervisor is doing, how you feel like you're being sabotaged, guess what? Release it. Now, do, what, do your part. Do your part. Hey, God, I'm going to pray about everything, and if I'm praying about this, whew, I ain't got to worry about it no more. Guess what? It's not my responsibility because I'm not in control. Come on, are you with me? Turn your neighbor and say, let it go. Man, when you've done all you can do, may you surrender that thing to the Lord. It, look, I, I can't do it. No. God, you got to take care of him. You got to take care of her. I ain't worried about that today. Got nothing to do with me. Lord, I'm walking in divine favor. I'm walking in peace. I'm not worrying about that, but I'm praying about everything. And when you pray, you don't have to worry. You see, prayer releases it from your hands and puts it into God's hands. And I want you to know that his hand is big enough. His hand can take care of your kids. His hand can take care of your finances. His hand can take care of your future. Guess what? God created your body. He knows exactly how it's supposed to work. You don't have to worry about health. Man, you trust God. You do your part, and then you surrender it to him. Bible says don't worry about anything. Instead, here's the alternative. I got a news flash for you. It'll make your day and your week so much better. Instead of worrying about it, pray about it. And give it to God. Check this out. Skip two verses to verse 8. Paul says, finally, my brothers, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatever is just, whatever is pure and lovely, whatever is of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Okay, now did you see what we talked about here? Think about things that are true, honest, just, Pure, lovely, and of a good report. Put your mind right there on those things. The Bible says meditate on these things. You say, Mike, what do you mean meditate? I mean, is that like Eastern mysticism? Is that sit with my legs crossed? What do you mean? No, no. Meditation is a biblical practice. Meditate. You say, Mike, I don't know how to meditate. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You know how to worry. If you know how to worry, you can meditate. Yes, Lord. Say, what do you mean? It all depends on where you set your mind. You see, how does worry work? You see, some of you are casual worriers. Some of you are chronic worriers. In fact, if you don't have anything to worry about, you get worried. 
well, surely there's something that I'm missing here. Look, my grandmother used to wring her hands. My, my Mimi, she would wring her hands, and she just worried. I mean, she worried about everything. And my dad would say, Mama, why are you worried? Guess what? Now my dad is wringing his hands, and he's always worried. There are, there are casual worriers. There are chronic worriers. Guess how this works? You're a chronic worrier. You're worried about something. What are you going to do? You're going to call somebody. Hey, let's get together and have lunch. Oh, no, you didn't. Worriers find each other, and they share their worry. Come on, how many of you, you didn't know you should be worried about something until you met somebody, and you're like, oh, man, I got to worry now. You didn't know you were supposed to worry, but that worry kind of jumped off of them and jumped on you. And now next thing you know, you're talking about it, thinking about it, talking about it, thinking about it, and next thing you know, the little thing has become big. And what was supposed to be manageable is now overwhelming you. And instead of talking to God, you've talked to somebody else. And they don't even know what they're doing with their life, but they're going to tell you how to run your life. Oh, come on now, come on. This is going to set somebody free today because you need to know there's an alternative. You don't have to live in anxiety and stress. You don't have to worry about anything. Instead, you can pray about everything. And when you pray, you give it to God, and then you set your mind on things that are true. You set your mind on what is just and honest and pure and lovely and of a good report. Somebody say, don't worry. Say, pray. And say, thank God. God. Number three, the Bible says, thank him for what he has done. Thank him. Thank him for what he's done. You just say, Lord, I thank you for everything you've done in my life. You know what? Gratitude and worry are fundamentally incompatible. Guess what? They can't coexist. Try it. When you're worried, press pause and just begin to inventory the goodness of God in your life. Lord, I thank you that you saved me. Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross. Lord, you shed your blood on Calvary. God, you filled me with the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for divine purpose, Lord. God, I know that the steps of the righteous are ordered. God, you delight in every detail of my life. Lord, I thank you that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in my kids, Lord. God, for how you've, you've healed them. God, for, I thank you for divine uh, uh, anointing over these children. God, I thank you that my finances are blessed. I may not see it now, but Lord, I'm I'm in covenant relationship with you. God, you've, you've healed me. You've forgiven. If you begin to talk like that, whoa, 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 wait a second. Guess what worry has to do? Worry's got to back on up, back on up. Whoa, whoa, okay. Oh, oh. The devil and all of his imps are got to say, okay, there's nothing we can do about that. Why? Because your mouth is full of praise. Because you're thanking God for what he has done. Now watch this. If you can look in your past and see God's faithfulness there, then you can look to your future and know that his faithfulness will meet you there too. God, if you did it then, you can do it again. God, what you've started in me, you will complete it in Jesus' name. Start talking like that and tell me what happens to your worry. Your worry's got no room. It's got no place. It's got no power. You've made a decision. I have a choice. God, I'm seeking you. I'm praying about everything so I don't have to worry about that thing. I know that while I rest, you are working on my behalf. So, Father, I 
thank you. You see, gratitude and worry are fundamentally incompatible. Where do you want to live your life? I want to live it full of thanksgiving and full of praise. Inventory, I challenge you today, but before your head hits the pillow tonight, I challenge you to document the goodness of God. Just make a list. Start one to ten of the things that God has done for you. And set your mind on those things. It'll make going to bed a whole lot better. And you wake up the next morning and you'll feel confident. I'm going to show you how this works. Remember David and Goliath? How many members of that story? Yeah, this nine-foot Philistine giant is cursing the armies of Israel. Man, fear and intimidation is holding the people of God captive. And here comes a little 15-year-old shepherd boy. Straight from the sheep field, stumbles onto the battlefield, and he hears this warrior giant of a man cursing God. And David's like, you gonna let him? He said, What? He said, Oh no, he didn't. You're gonna let him do how are you? And everybody from King Saul down to the last soldier was worried. David said, You know what? I got this. I remember one time I was tending my father's sheep and a bear came out of the woods. And I grabbed that bear and I clubbed him to death. Oh, and you know what? There's that other time that a lion did the same thing. And, and what I did to the lion. Now, what, what's David doing? He's rehearsing the goodness of God. He's thanking God for everything that he's done in his past. He said, what I did to the lion and what I did to the bear, that giant is no match for the power of God. You see, listen, all of the Israelites were afraid, and they said, Goliath is too big to fight. David said, no, he's too big to miss. That brother is going down. I'll tell you what, when you're thankful for what God has done, it builds confidence in your spirit. It, it, there's no room for worry or stress to compromise or to penetrate that force field around you. Look at what it says. Let me finish this up. The Bible says don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Thank him for what he has done. Now, look at this. David said in Psalm 37, 25, he said, I once was young, but now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging bread. From start to finish, God was faithful. Now, look at this last thing. Finally, number four. Then, everybody say then. then. And I want to ask the band to come up. Then you will experience God's peace. Come on, somebody say peace. Oh, there it is. This is what we're talking about. What's the alternative to worry? Man, it's living in the peace of Jesus. I want to tell you, this peace doesn't come from the world. All right, now pay attention just for, give me two more minutes. How many give me two more minutes? Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. Okay. Got another hour and a half here. Okay. <laughs> Bible says then you'll experience God's peace. It's a peace that comes not from this world, but it's something supernatural. It's peace of God. I want to tell you this. You will never find the peace of God from the things of this world. Trying to find the peace of God from the things of this world is like going to Walmart and trying to buy a Rolls Royce. <laughs> I mean, no, it's not happening, right? It's not in stock. They don't carry it. Same thing. Nothing in this world can give you 
this kind of peace but God himself. This is a supernatural peace. The Bible says it's a peace that passes all understanding. What does that mean? Okay. Translation, it's an irrational peace. It's a peace that doesn't make sense. It's a peace that the world will look at you and the storm around you and they say, man, you ought to be depressed. You ought to be just clinically depressed and diagnosed. There's a diagnosis for that. Man, you ought to be going crazy. You ought to have a meltdown. I can't believe how are you holding it together. I got peace. It doesn't make sense to you. Guess what? But it didn't come from you. It came from the Lord. You see, this peace that I have, the world didn't give it to me. world can't take it from me. Lord, I'm not worried about it. Because I've prayed about it, and I've thanked God for it. And now guess what I'm walking in? I'm walking in peace. And it's a peace that protects. What does it protect? Your heart and your mind. That's what the Bible says. You read it. Your Bible says it. This peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. In other words, when stress comes knocking on your door, there's peace that's protecting your mind. When anxiety and worry, when the world says you should be tripping out, the peace of God guards your heart. And people are looking at you like, man, how in the world? How in the world? And you're thinking, it's not of the world. It's not of the world. It's of God. There's a supernatural peace. Some of you, your life is in pieces. But God's saying, I want you to live in peace. The world has crushed you. You have worried and stressed over things. You've tried to control things, tried to figure things out, and your life is in pieces. And Jesus says, if you'll give me all the pieces, then I'll give you my peace in exchange. You see, he is the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. He's the author, not of confusion, but of peace. Do you feel that? Do you just sense that? Well, I just sense something tangible almost as, has just come into the room and descended upon us because we live in a world that's going crazy and they're overwhelmed and they're straining to hear God above the noise and the chaos is breaking people down. But you and me, as God's children, we can walk in peace even in the midst of the storm. You see, the storm may be around you, but don't let that storm get inside of you. Some things that we can't control. Some things have fallen apart. Some things are, whoa, where did that come from? It's the storm on the outside, but there can be peace in your soul. The Bible says in Colossians 3, let me leave you with this verse. Colossians 3.15. The scripture says, let the peace, let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ rule and act as an umpire continually. That's the Amplified Bible. Okay? The Amplified says the peace of God is like an umpire. I love that picture. What does an umpire do? An umpire calls the game, right? He says, ball or strike, fair or foul, safe or out, he has the final say. Now, the manager can get upset with a call. He can run out the dugout, and I'm sure you've seen this before, and get nose to nose with that umpire. And all just yelling and screaming and white stuff coming out their mouth. And, man, this is, you know, kicking dirt over home plate and just acting crazy. What does the umpire do? <laughs> You're out. 
kick him out of the game. Why? Because the umpire is the final authority. And God's saying, let the peace, just like that umpire, be the final authority when you're making decisions. Some of you, and I'm talking to some people right now that have some big decisions they're trying to make. And you've done well. You've gathered your information, you've done your analysis, your pros and cons, and all your diligence. What is logic? What is wisdom? What is common sense? What, all this information. But you got to remember, what does the peace of Jesus say? Because for some of you, you can look at it, and all of it makes sense. Yeah, I'm supposed to leave my job and go do this. And on paper, it works. But you don't have peace. And God's saying, uh-uh-uh-uh, let the peace let the peace of Jesus be that umpire. Come on, are you with me? For some of you, you've done your analysis, and it makes no sense on paper. Oh, man, there's no way you should do that. But you've got a peace. And the peace of Jesus is saying, step out and take a risk, even when it doesn't make sense. I'll tell you, my, my senior year in college, man, I'm about to graduate with a degree in computer science. I only did computers because I was trying to make some money. Figured, hey, man, this is the early 90s, man. The industry was booming, man. Yeah, let me, let me go make some money. If I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, at least I can have some money while I figure it out. I'm about to graduate with a degree in computer science, but, man, I was really wrestling with the call of God on my life. I don't, I, computers are not my thing. Lord, maybe I, you're calling me into ministry. And so I called the only pastor that I trusted at the time. It was my youth pastor, Pastor Dino Rizzo. I said, Dino, what do I need to do? I'm about to get this degree. I don't know what my next step is. My heart's not in computers. I feel like God calling me to ministry. He said, Mike, we're starting a church in South Baton Rouge, a healing place for a hurting world. You know what? The peace of God came over me. Didn't make sense on paper. My professors are like, what in the world are you doing with your life? We got all these opportunities for you, and you're doing what? I said, yeah, I'm going back home. To do what? To be a youth pastor. What? Yeah, I stacked tables, I, I, I chairs, I set up rooms, I cut grass, I pulled weeds, and I chased teenagers. That's what I do. They said, what a waste. Can I tell you, wasting my life has never been so fun. Follow the peace. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225 753-2273.